I think we start with uh, uh, a problem because that that's usually gets people engaged and um, I think there was a problem we had these interesting connections online but we didn't know them in real life so we decided to do a road trip this is our first sheepdog stop Welcome. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Um, so much better to see y'all in person I can't I can't convey meaning with typing very well like I just decide not to type rather than try to explain myself so often it's lost in the yeah in just a bunch of letters where people are like they take it the wrong way or too way too often saying. the wrong and, way and I don't want to give somebody a wall text because then there's there's yeah. bound to be something in there that even I think is wrong even in my and own usually words. they'll just skip it I know if I get blasted I'm like oh whatever yeah, yeah. So, so I think the dilemma is, you know, being very uh, radical in our thinking and our thoughts and our beliefs and how we operate in real life to having friends that are very spread out across the continental U.S. And, and the joy is that we get to do this road trip and come see people that we know on the Internet in real life and to, to build this community through this two-month road trip which has brought us to Oklahoma to meet with Shay and uh, to just have that sort of connection and, and support system that we otherwise don't get in our own local neighborhoods. And so that's been really satisfying and fulfilling, um, very comforting to know that, you know, to be so on the fritz and the outskirts of society and community, but we have our own outcast network of people that think like us and talk like us and somewhat act like us and have their own little homesteads and can have that self-sufficiency that is really important to develop the skill set to to thrive so if you want to I'm talk, an outlier here as well yeah if you want to tell us a little bit about your homestead or you know how your community shaped or what um, positive aspects have come out of losing friends and family. <laughs> you know, it's very relatable to us and to a lot of other people. Well, there's a, I have a lot less dis disagreements with myself. Just being alone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really argue with myself very often. Sometimes I spend a few hours on it. You know, it's probably good to get that. But uh, yeah, it's good. I have I have woods. Uh, I keep myself warm in the winter with fire, fireplace. I yeah. got chickens, got eggs coming every day, got uh, got gardening stuff going on, and lots of fruit trees and, and plants and vegetables, and uh, want to uh, be able to have enough to support other people as well. But really, I'm just kind of learning as I go because this wasn't something I was raised with. I was in suburbia with going to the store. That's where all the food was from, and yeah. Just a couple of generations before that, we all my family was farmers and ranchers and did everything themselves. But how quickly we lose that. So I'm trying to give something, uh, an example that my son could could take with him. That's a big theme in sheepdog. It's family. You know, that's the the anchor point. At least when it's put together, is see that's the the uh, the foundation is the family and the more that you can support your family with good uh, modeling of long-lasting intergenerational behavior you can transfer that and then they they have a leg up so I think that's an important point 
Yeah. And then do you want to, Shane, you want to tell us a little bit about like your historical family lineage and how you came to kind of find out who they are and what, what they were fighting for and where you are today on that? Um, sure. I guess, uh, I mean, I've been, or my family's been in Oklahoma for several generations. Um, came here in Indian Territory after um, traveling across the South, after the, the Confederate loss. They moved from Georgia to Alabama to Texas to Oklahoma in mm -hmm. Indian, ter Indian Territory. And, were, uh, were they slaves? Did they have slaves? Uh, no. Nope. They probably competed with slave labor. Yeah. You know, farming and shoveling coal and sure. um, doing all sorts of, you know, menial tasks. Mm -hmm. um, and we're always, you know, in the, in this, we're soldiers in wars. <laughs> Uh, so we're still had to had to fight for freedoms and things. Um, it wasn't they didn't they weren't given these things really. I guess they were handed maybe by their by other parents or their you know ancestors. But uh, um, I get I mean I don't know if I should talk about before that, but uh, I mean since then we I mean we got kind of pushed out here with wanting more freedom and came out to Indian Territory, ran land runs, and became farmers, and had a rough time with the, you know, Dust Bowl and Great Depression and all that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. got moved into town, and then uh, after, really, I mean, literally after the Civil Rights um, started busting uh, outside groups into uh, places where my, my family were going to school, there was enough uh, trouble, trouble happening that they ended up moving back out of town to get away from the trouble that was happening in town with all the, the civil rights stuff. Yeah. Um, That's a good segue to like, where are we today with more laws, more things being pushed, either breaking the family down, talk about agendas or whatever, but it seems that there is uh, censorship, free speech, trying to have conversations, but you're silencing out one side of it. How are people going to make informed decisions? Mm -hmm. Is the information even decidable you know, that you're, mm -hmm. you're taking in, or is it um, more on trying to be convincing versus decidable? Um, I, I'd like to see that if we're d doing these, that we kind of try to give that intro to sheepdog or propertarianism what is it that uh, well one what was the problem that it was providing an answer to and what direction do we see that it's going and I think that because I think we're sharing this video mostly with sheepdogs and propertarians mm -hmm. and it's a way for them to get to know us better in mm -hmm. in kind of a simulation of in real life mm -hmm. right like a, <laughs> that's what I think the best incentive of the highest use of our podcasts or audios or videos sure. is going to be to to have this miniature moment with us right can i yeah. pause you there for a sec just want to introduce ourselves because we didn't do that in the beginning i'm maddie uh, i'm brian's woman we live in hawaii on the big island um this is shade you want to hop into <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm shay <laughs> Ashton's in the background, my son. Ashton, yeah, boy. <laughs> this is Shade, Shay's son. Yep. Yep. So carrying the torch for the next generation. 
All right, uh, I was introduced to Sheepdog from a mutual friend of ours, Michael, who introduced me to Bill, Jocelyn, who started Sheepdog, and then Bill introduced me to Kurt, who started Propertarianism. So it was by following their conversations, their arguments, their fallout, their connections, their reinforcement, that's really what brought me in. And I probably came in from a, like a libertarian, ANCAP, uh, anarchist, no masters, no slaves. And then it was like, but you kind of need rules. Yeah. And that's where the natural law fits in, uh, truth tests, uh, epistemology, knowledge, study of knowledge. And um, the more I got into it, the more that I was saying, wow, this really does uh, give form and function and it, it makes sense. So if, if you're new to the concepts, what we're doing here is just meeting each other and covering our introductions and what it means to us and why it's been, um, it's not exactly life changing, it's life affirming and certainly is a great uh, method for determining the truth and um, moving forward. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> well said. Yeah, back to you talking about with the, the laws that seem to be more restricting. Mm -hmm. uh, it reminds me of the categorical imperative with uh, some of Immanuel Kant's studies of uh, natural law, where he says that uh, you're most free whenever you're acting in accordance with your best nature, not falling under the whims and passions of other people. Like, that's what to be a slave is, is to not be using reason or... Uh... So whims and passions, totally agree. And, yes. and that's totally present today. It's just in your face right. with people's whims and passions and wanting to enforce that on others. Yeah, especially just that where it used to be the moral arbiters of the society were the ones who were the elders and had knowledge of just the inner workings of how to keep a society running and now it's kind of where it's run similarly to a corporation where the customer is always right mm -hmm. uh, so the, the those who complain the loudest are the ones who get served the most mm -hmm. so it's just this moral inversion to where we've got all these laws that are just serving the interests of the squeaky wheels right um, and there was that article that talked about um, the corporation has a fear of lawsuits from yes. uh, these protected classes. Uh -huh. And so they have to cater to the protected classes at all costs because if they're dragged into a court case, that's a multi-million dollar yeah. settlement and could lead to more. And it ties right into the lobbyists being bought out by those same corporations that have to whatever fulfill some moral obligation to these customers that they have. But it also seems like a bigger plan is like the order out of chaos. Yes. Right? Like if I can just keep chaos in the space uh -huh. with whatever, it could be the electing of Trump is a chaos for the other side and then the chaos how they have the groups now or the, the dichotomy fighting each other. Yeah, it's always a Nash equilibrium of two groups trying to achieve the, the same group, uh, the same goal with just yeah. controlled opposition. Mm -hmm. But one group in particular, the left, or mm -hmm. called progressives, is all about acquisition of power and then using that power under the guise of protecting the minorities or protecting the uh, underclass or protecting the oppressed yes. from the oppressors. Whereas when you look at the right, it, it, we're, we're saying protection of individual freedoms, 
you know, uh, equality before the law, not equality in results. Mm -hmm. We're looking for uh, basic republic constitutional guaranteed rights and freedoms. Basically, let's try to enforce uh, natural law as best we can. Yeah. And so bringing it back to propertarianism, they said, we did a pretty good job, but it, was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't parasite proof is a big way to say it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't certainly didn't have enough defense mechanisms for our modern times. So the reason why we're looking towards rewriting the constitution or providing a propertarian version is so that we can uh, protect again and parasite proof the constitution, basically rewrite it in a way that what we've learned over the last hundred years, we can do it better. Yeah, learning from the mistakes that we're so able to see the results of. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people worried that if the U.S. balkanizes, that it's going to be a reduction of the strength that we have against whatever outside forces beyond the porous borders we already have set. Mm -hmm. But I see it as really one of the biggest ways to break up Zog's centralization of power. Definitely. Um, what is Zog's centralization? Well, Zionist owned government oh. occupied. Right. Yeah. Just that if each of <laughs> the each of the 50 states was able to operate independently or more independently of the federal government that we'd be able to um, choose what what works best for us in our own local areas cuz I mean San Francisco is going to do something different than Tulsa. Of course. Um, and they should. They should be able to. Yeah. Uh and how they negotiate with the federal government would be different too. Right. If they have a way that they could just trade with somebody other than the federal government, they wouldn't just be under their umbrella. They could. Well, does that mean that you go from a centralized bank? Because I think one of the biggest things mm -hmm. is to deal with that. It's a pretty high on the priority list. Mm -hmm. Would you have state run banks at that point, or would we want to go back to congressional printing and minting of coin through Congress and Treasury? You leave out the private banking cabal. And then maybe states have something that can counter that too. I know that Kurt goes through credit issuances. His his big solution uh, doesn't speak as direct to it. But um, I think one of the other things we talk about is markets and everything. If yeah. you only have innovation when you can have competition, but if you have a monopoly that is formed and large and then supported by our military, then what's going to kick that out of place? <laughs> It'd have to be a large populist uprising. Yep. We'd have to remove it. Or you just, like Bitcoin and some of the other ones, you're having competition starting to put pressure on it. So maybe at the same time, we can have a pressure to make changes to it as well. Yeah, maybe different states have different cryptocurrencies or something. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so long as it's you know transferable, you right. know, a means of exchange, mm -hmm. it doesn't really have to be a, a piece of paper with it. Or That's true. Or something, or the precious metal, just so long as you can exchange the that resource. Right. As long as you have power to turn the system on to. So if you and have the a exchange rate may change yeah. based on whether or not there's a, you know, if, if California dollars may be worth 
more or less than Tulsa dollars or whatever. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 could, it, has, it, it has a lot to do with the productivity. So that comes back to the, another conversation. Camera's not there, in, but I'm pointing towards it. No, of, of having high agency. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's strong about Western civilization is that we've had high agency. And we have high agency because we have high trust commons. You know, like it all goes together. Even mm -hmm. the, the, the big dispute between Kurt and Bill had a, a lot to do with sovereignty versus autonomy and agency. It was a conversation around that mm -hmm. where Kurt had a lean, leans more to the aristocratic that sovereigns are recognizing other sovereigns. And though there's truth to that, it misses the large, the moral middle which has the most inertia. And so uh, this ties in also to anarchists. It's like, well, why do I have to serve the commons if I'm totally independent and off grid and I have a very low impact? Mm -hmm. And so I tend to have some uh, agreement to that argument. Mm -hmm. You know, you have autonomy first to some degree, you have your own agency, you've proved it, right? And then that uh, kind of makes you a sovereign, but it doesn't make you a sovereign until you have to defend, you know, your property. Yeah. Once you get to the point that you've successfully defended your property, now you are sovereign because nobody wants to fight you, so to speak. So there's that uh, alpha dog, like most pack, you, you fought your way to the top, so to speak, and nobody's going to mess with you at that yeah, point. Reputation. Or at least yeah. they know who they're messing with at that point. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> they recognize you as, as a sovereign. Right. See, so this guy's kind of stand up for, what, for his, his agency that he... He's going to He's defend his it. property, you know, and, and shows that he has the agency to do it. So that brings us into like preppers and people that are ready, more ready for armed conflict, or at mm -hmm. least prepared you mm -hmm. know, for it defensively. And I think that's going to be a strong element. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've spoken to a lot of people who are just very doubtful that any sort of conflict could happen, whether it's just naivety or thinking that people who would consider themselves sovereign are all talk and just aren't ever going to do anything. But mm -hmm. I've also encountered people who do see it as a very likely possibility. I mean, of course, there's John Mark and other figures who talked about just once there's no more representation within the government, then right. what what's going to be the next step? Um, what do you do when you have no voice? Yeah. Yeah. And especially when your voice is con constantly getting censored, deplatformed, suppressed. That's yeah. funny, I mean... A, a uh, lot of people are worried that, like, by even mentioning that being a possibility, that somehow you're going to get taken out by federal agents. And it's, like, it's in the Constitution that right. we have now. Speak as, against tyranny. As uh, full of holes as it's been... And redress your touched. government. And right. Yeah. It no longer suits you, then. Right, that was the entire point, is that this is a working um, solution if you find something better. It's like, feel yeah. free to build upon what we've created, but I don't think they by any means thought it was a permanent solution. Is it the final solution? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a song to play for you guys. <laughs> Take a break and play the one solution song. Right, right. Uh, um, well, I think the good news is that even some more liberal-leaning folks are starting to see the consequences of uh, censorship and limiting free speech, and they're not for that. I mean, they might kind of 
go with it for a minute, but once it starts to affect their in in and out day to day lives, they're right. starting to see that oh, these consequences are affecting me and my family and my civil liberties and not realizing that the things, the policies they're wanting to be or allowing to be put in place are very could detrimental. Be used, could be used against them if some other force took power or yeah. even if it's just the swing of the pendulum on what side of the the dichotomy is most popular for you know controlling the chaos that's deciding our trajectory you know the left argues that rioting is justified because those people are voiceless so they're, well, no, they're, they're, they're speaking out by setting everything on fire and destroying their whole thing is the oppressor versus oppressed yeah. so it's always seen through those lens and so everybody they don't like is the oppressor but it's okay. contradictory because now that more conservative or whatever right-sided folks are um, becoming oppressed, they're not fighting for us. Well, then they just label you something different than that. Yeah. They just mm -hmm. move the move the goalpost. They just show another way that you have power. That you have a yeah strength. But what that does is it it's self-admitting that they don't have power. <clears throat> while they dispower you. Yeah. <laughs> Disempower you. Totally. Yeah, Stop I mean, being yeah. violent to me while they're beating us over our head with a wooden bat. <laughs> yeah. So bringing back to propertarianism, there was a, a pretty cool element that came out of understanding our orgasm, rally, ridicule, gossip, shame, and moralizing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a concept that really takes off with newbies when they're just getting introduced to it and they start to see the arguments coming forward at them when they're starting to take an informed opinion and leading an argument, at, uh, probably offering citations, links to articles, further historical research, doing all the due diligence. So a big thing in propertarianism is warranted truthful due diligence speech. So you've done your work. You're not just blathering about and you know repeating talking points. You say, I warrant this to be true that if it imposes a cost on you, that I would, you know, uh, make it right, whatever that is. Um, so it's interesting that most of the arguments that they find are not even, no warranty, no truthful, no due diligence, nothing. It's rally, ridicule, gossiping. That's when they tag others into it to gang up on you, yeah. try to shame you for the thoughts and moralizing as if they have the high road. And none of that is an argument or actually addressing issues, you know, talking specifically about point by point or starting with point one point and getting down to the bottom of it, providing evidence. So I think that's another thing that floats around pretty strong. And as much as I was addressing it before, I think sometimes I disengage. We see that they're just not there. Like, because we're finding less and less opportunities to truly change. I think that people that get introduced to the ideas go, that's really interesting, I'm gonna look more into it, versus the person who gets triggered, and then they're just spouting what they're spouting and doing their orgasm stuff, and you're like, okay, well, I guess there's no agreement to be made here. Mm -hmm. Now, when you take that on an individual level, you know, it's obviously easy for us to separate. Okay, great, we just won't talk, or unfriend me, or stop following me, or whatever, or post your nonsense, and we'll just both quit hitting yourself. Quit hitting yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But if you take it to a bigger scale, it leads to this either the great divorce or the separation or civil war could be a term or secession. We seem to have the right to secede. So maybe a part of 
uh, proprietary constitution, making state movements to secede, mm -hmm. giving people truth tests. I'm, I'm looking for uh, how do we increase our agency, right? Because the more we can in increase our individual agency uh, is simultaneous with in increasing our collective agency. Yes. And giving the incentive to the left is like, yeah, you guys could probably have San Francisco. You know, like, figure out where you guys want to be and you don't like us, we're not particularly fond of you, or let's just say if it's not about liking each other, just yeah. we're not getting along well right now. There's you know, <laughs> like, I'll go coagulate over there. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason that we can't settle this peacefully still. But, there you go. I mean, it's just, with the emotional response, it's kicking the can down the road of not wanting to address the real problems that we're facing, and it's it's going to blow up if, if there's no real addressing the issues. So, I mean, if, we, if, if there was some way to be able to just take a... <laughs> how to convince them to have a non-emotional response and just go through the conversation, I sure. mean, there's... There's ways to draw lines in the sand where we could figure out how to get along without there having to be whatever, some violent overturning of what we have now and... What we've built. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not sure what's what's to come in the future. I think but. two points, Maddie was saying there are more people on the left or progressives that are waking up to the destructive nature of of the narrative that they're within their strategy like the arrogance and ignorance ignorance and then i think john mark talked about um the left thinks that if the right was to make a move that the american military would just squash any rebellion or secessionist movements or whatever and then that's where he says well but the military is largely made up of people that are right leaning or right alt-white whatever yeah. Uh, and so that is highly unlikely and that those that have guns are largely on the right like yeah. everything was leaning that there's a lot on our side so to speak yeah. but that's not to say that we're moving for any of that With peaceful separation would be great figure out your own thing you have the right to associate is something you say means that you have the right to disassociate yeah. so if you can't have one without the other and they tend to try to well there needs to be inclusion, inclusion. well they keep preaching that but that doesn't give anybody the right to exclude yeah which those two are they're paired together yeah like you want inclusion but we don't want you, you know you have to have and you have the right to exclude mm -hmm. so maybe there's a, a point of t taking from the identity politics in a way of, of breaking apart the narrative to try to help them logically make more sense of it the, there's peaceful separation try to give everything as reasonable as possible they call it exhaustive forgiveness you know like <laughs> we're trying as best as we can yeah um, <clears throat> and I also think elevating the conversation as best as possible which I think we're talking about and um, making sure we don't get pulled into stereotype or dismissive labeling like calling somebody racist or white supremacist or um, you know they keep doing that and it's like how is that helping us get any further in either coming to a peaceful resolution or just understanding each other better you know you're we're not i don't find that we're quick to label the person i think we might be quick to label the argument yeah i think they label the the left labels the right in order to keep other lefties out of the to just yeah, say, oh, he's just one. He's just, he's just a monster. I don't need to listen to what he has to say. Mm -hmm. But I thought love is love is love. 
<laughs> monsters deserve no love. They're monsters. I love Trump's hate. Why do they hate us? Why do they hate us so? Device of politics, ruled by chaos. Yep. Uh, Alright, any concluding thoughts or. I know there's a push. Like, we're formulating the ideas, propertarian constitutions coming together, you have truth tests, there's people are taking a run at creating their community. What we have said over and over that there's the missing of how to make this happen more in real life. Yes. Uh, right? And we're kind of on an island, literally and figuratively. You're <laughs> in an island, literally, or figuratively. We're in the middle of flyover country. Yep. Yeah, so what what would be the tips that we could share with people? So they've made a connection online. They found us. They're getting a lot out of it. Um, what's what works or doesn't work in building their uh, their neighborhood? And I think you could speak to this because you've been part of the Rainbow Gathering. You know what? Yeah. Like maybe share that part of uh, don't uh, children the children that show up not literally these are people that are acting like children. Oh right, because they've never been tested on whether or not they can take care of themselves. They're, right. They're relying on the support of society and group and that everything's so conveniently just around the corner. Yeah, so in these rainbow gatherings you're saying people would show up and there's basically free freeloaders and parasites. And, and it's found out really quick because they need so much help that everybody is trying to keep themselves everybody's treading water at that point because there's no civilization you go out in the middle of the woods yeah have to hike everything in for miles right some people can't even make it there in their car right there's all kinds of pro car problems just to try to get there a lot of people have you know i have poor, some poor vehicles and some engine trouble sometimes but sure but even just to make it there and then you get there and you got to hike for miles into the woods there are it's up to you to break in to make your trail i mean wow often and to find water and to find firewood to cook your food and it becomes very primitive really quick and there was a point where you said you you clearly figure out who can't who has agency who can support themselves and who is a burden yeah are you contributing right like i mean everybody could be doing it should be doing something right yeah so that, that ties in that concept that's real strong in natural law of reciprocity mm -hmm. right that um how do you handle to how do they handle those that cannot contribute or will not? Is there a shaming? Is there an ousting? Is like, or is there kind of a, you try to fix them? Or it sounds like there was corrective measures that happened first. Yeah. To try to get them on the page. Somebody, all said somebody that's, you generally a parent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it happened to me to where I'm talking to somebody who's acting like a child. Right. It's a and I have that agency because I'm also taking care of a child. Yeah. Like I brought my child with me. Right. I'm taking care of them to do this. And then you find an adult that's standing next to you that you're also having to treat like a child. <laughs> right. And all you guys say is, I'm treating you like a child. Right. Do you realize this? Yeah. You see how without me, you're still in need of help and you're going to have to find somebody else whenever really you would also argue that you have just as much ability to do any of this stuff as me in another conversation but so then go and let's do these things like if right. you're hoping then that frees me up to right not just do work but i can do play so let's expand that so in a scenario where there's a massive breakdown of quote civilization from all the failures that it has more people would be drawn to that right they'd find themselves in a situation where they need to be able to trade barter skills to participate and they're either going to show up like a child because they've been on social services and all this for a while and 
totally used to that or they're going to have agency and they're going to say well i'm just going to figure this out mm -hmm. yeah they're showing up a tool saying hey i have this ability plug me in yeah like i'll i'll get all your gather all this for you guys so that's a hopeful that more people would tend towards the strategy of cooperation than force uh, yeah like trying to take the resources for themselves and kill the goose that lays the golden eggs so to speak well that was the one of the concepts early on with bill about the asymmetry of caloric intake mm -hmm. <laughs> so you have to have enough calories in that you can expend the calories to get the calories and mm -hmm. you can either have a predatory behavior uh, where you go after prey yeah. you can have a parasitic behavior where you eat take down your host mm -hmm. and then the last one is cooperative and it's only cooperative strategies reproductive strategies that have near infinite scales so we can store for yeah. long term and yeah like over winter so we should think of that because we're going to see that the predators are going to run out of uh of the prey you know in the mm -hmm. system the parasites are going to kill off the hosts all that is kind of left in terms of humans largely would be cooperative ones yeah. mm -hmm. and so in this theme of the second half is shifting out of uh how do you make this happen in real life is 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 a cooperative play right like we're trying to create cooperation with others so i know we're on a road trip to see where do we have overlap and connection we talked about mm -hmm. some of the offerings that we can plug people into hey if you want to do this amazon fulfilled by amazon thing we're doing this whole coaching thing, and if you come up with a product, let's plug it in and see if we can mm -hmm. both do really well on it. Nice. So uh, I think that's a good point. And, uh, I know that I was talking about if we could have our own insurance, that you can become a self-funded insurance company. I forgot what it, private, private captive insurance or something. Like if uh, somewhere around 750,000 per year of premiums received, you can have your own insurance company. So if we wanted to kind of gather resources up that way, and especially if we know we're dealing with sheepdogs and proprietarian, these should be all high agency people that are not doing mm -hmm. dumb stuff. Makes me think of savings and loan. Like right. The, you know, the, it becomes self It's a wonderful life. Quickly, I think. Yeah. Those who are able to back up their words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta kind of be put in those primitive situations where you even know that I mean, like as far as the rainbow gathering went, you know, going out to the woods, you find out that somebody's lacking in something, and right. often you can bring them up to speed. It's that uh, like they get back to town, and now they're like all about it. Instead of whatever, it's now like they're that, like, oh, I have that. Wall they have out. something now to where they're gonna where be more successful. Uh, becoming a man in the tribe, you go out whenever it's not a life or death situation as much, and you prove yourself being able to survive outside of the tribe and come back and. You have a refreshed perspective of how important it is to be able to carry your own weight and also uh, support others just in this in a cooperative sense. Um, well, do we have narratives? So we bring back something like, do we have personal narratives that encourage people to have that? It seems like we've lost it. And the, the popular stories now are like superhero. One of their challenges is where where can you tell a story that has stakes? that can engage a large enough audience you know so mm -hmm. um with a family not being as strong sometimes i do like the hostage situation or mm. they'll try to create these epic like dude with a problem tell where it's a volcano this people feel a visceral response to that and the superhero ones are just so far removed you know yeah but they have a global audience and people go in there for largely either the 
you know, the, the fireworks of the whole thing, a little bit on the story, but not as much. I mean, what I'm pointing towards to here is the heroic myth, some of the things that have been extracted from our narratives. Mm -hmm. So people, even in popular movies that they go after, they're not, they're not getting the information that they can apply. They're not putting themselves in situations like going out in the wilderness. I mean, we were talking about Into the Wild, mm -hmm. that of course has a bad ending, you know, yeah. like that, does that even, although it's true, you know, where, where are the stories that help encourage people to go out in the wild and win? Mm -hmm. Well, my only personal experiences with that is, uh, I've been to a few parties and a couple of camping trips where I find out pretty quickly that I'm the most responsible one there. Yeah. And, and making sure that, well, if someone needs first aid, that I've got to address that and making sure people don't get too wild and do things that hurt themselves or each other and it it makes me feel good to know that I'm capable of those things but it also worries me because pretty much everyone else there is relying on me to run around and do all of those things so right without realizing um, it yeah I, I try and impress that upon them uh, just to show that I mean, this is where they're lacking in being able to take care of themselves or just how they're endangering others. So imagine people that have that much, uh, whatever, uh, self-awareness. Self-awareness. Uh -huh. if, if they don't have to worry about everybody else being unaware of themselves, uh -huh. if everybody's yeah. self-aware, now you get into a place where it's not just all work, it's play. Right. Yeah. right. So now we're creating, we're like, whatever, playing music and making we're water. And, right and we're like, oh man, I just thought of a great way to like filter our water catchment. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you're not worried about, how do I? What we, what we say, six eyes are better than two or eight eyes are better than two. We got mm -hmm. eight eyes here looking at the same problem. We can have different mm -hmm. little, oh, well, I know this and then you add to it. And, but if you have uh, three people who are unaware, <laughs> And you just have two eyes looking at it. Or and three just... people creating problems. The fourth person's <laughs> like going, I got so many irons in the fire. I don't... <laughs> Sorry, you're going to have to go. Yeah. I, just, I can't take care of you anymore. Only I get the grade for this group project. Yeah. <laughs> so that circles back to the energy yeah. thing around a coherent energy, creating, taking incoherent energy and making it coherent, mm -hmm. which dovetails into that you said some of those man-childs that would show up did turn more into men when they were done. Well, I mean, they're surrounded by their group of friends, yeah. hearing everybody say, "This is where you're lacking." Yeah, like you're 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 a burden on all of us. Right. Like we're sorry to have to tell you this. Yeah. In front of it's like an intervention. Right. And you can't leave because we're all in the woods in the middle of nowhere together. <laughs> right. Right. Like, I mean, there's other people around, but your core group. I mean, at least the way that we went, there would be a, a dozen or dozens of us all show up at the same place, and we kind of had our own tight knit group. And it camped out. We called it a kitchen. You know, like we all had our kitchen. We yeah. all cooperate together, throw in all our food, all do everything together. So you can't escape it at that point. If you're a problem and everybody wants to, yeah. you know, make it easier on themselves, right? Then they need you to cooperate and get your shit together. Wow. And then you get back to town, and that person's gained something really big, even if it's just a that they blew up and lost their shit. Yeah. It, I don't know. It's it's something. That's so important. I think it dovetails exactly into this. You There's know. pressure there. So you well, put pressure on them to like get it to the yeah. to something to happen. Get it together. Okay. Where in town you could go your whole life and never have that yeah. realization. 
Kurt talks about doing King of the Hill. You know, you start mm -hmm. a debate and argument and have the argument what rises to the top, and you have people that definitely not proving themselves. They're just spitting rhetoric or whatever, no <laughs> substantial argument. Or they're critiquing and not giving solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Critiquing and not providing their own argument. Yeah. So you could critique somebody else's argument, which is you know, less than way. half of the battle, you know, but to present your own argument with all your own stuff is, mm -hmm. is a whole nother level. Everybody's just pointing fingers instead of actually figuring out what's going to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where is your solution? This is, want to wrap it up? Okay. Yeah. Final thoughts, Manny? <laughs> Shoot some guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to be sufficient, yeah. proficient. Exemplary. Yeah, I mean, yeah, armed. It all comes down to what you're willing to defend. It's not yours if you can't protect it. True. Yeah. Don't live vicariously while the stakes are still low. Yeah, mm. good call. All right, we're signing off. Good to catch up with y'all. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Good to meet nice you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having us.